I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Well, welcome to another episode of Thriving Matters. And as you can hear, Carrie isn't thriving at all well at the moment. I'm currently in the most magnificent part of British Columbia, Silver Star Mountain. And my guest today is Patty Shales Leftcross. Now, if you can't understand my voice, just put a little filter through that, well, she's got a little bit of laryngitis. But you know what? I couldn't resist the opportunity to interview Patty whilst I was here. So, welcome, Patty. How are you this morning? I'm great. I'm hoping your throat will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) So am I. With our Thriving Matters podcast, we talk to people who are fairly ordinary in their everyday work and life, who are doing extraordinary things. Now, this, listeners, is an amazing story. This is a woman's quest to teach, trek and build a school in the remote Himalayas. And that's why I'm talking to Patty today. So... Patty, tell us a little bit about your history, yourself, where you started from, what your passions were, and what has led you up to being an author today. Well, when I was 10, my grandfather left me $100, and I decided to buy a typewriter, and I would become a writer. But as I grew older, I ended up going to university and through teacher training, and so my entire career of 37 years was in education as a elementary school teacher, a vice principal, and a principal in areas of poverty in downtown Vancouver. But then when I was 60 and retired, I decided it was time to get back to writing, and I went to journalism school. And uh, then we moved up to Silver Star from Vancouver and absolutely loved living here and ended up been writing for magazines and newspapers. And I did that for a while and thought, well, that's great, but what do I want to do now? And in the middle of that, my husband, who used to be a mountain guide and was a teacher, and I decided to do some adventure travel. And that kind of led me to the solo travel and then writing a book about it. So I kept the solo trip in Nepal in 2014. I went by myself because my husband ruptured his Achilles tendon. We'd been there for three months a few years prior and fell in love with the people in the country, so wanted to give back. So I went by myself, ventured out. I was pretty scared, but I ventured out and went uh, trekking by myself and volunteering in a very remote village. Then they took me to another village that had a school that was falling down around the children. It uh, They had condemned the second floor. The first floor was... Um, kind of usable, but the rain came down through and the monsoons came right down to the main floor. And the kids took umbrellas to classrooms. So obviously they needed a school. And then one year later to the day that I had been there, 
the earthquake hit and that village was the epicenter of the earthquake. Every home mm. was destroyed and the old school. Four people were killed in the village and so they had to start all over again. At that point, we ramped up the fundraising and we had our first big slideshow night at uh, Silver Star at the National Altitude Training Center and then just kept going. And then I got involved in Rotary and it's been absolutely fantastic. There's a large yeah. club in German called Kalamalka Rotary and they have taken on the project as their own. So we've now completed eight classrooms and bought books and library books and furniture. And uh, in the fall this year, about 15 of us from Rotary and partners and some children are going back to uh, build two houses in the village. Because even though the earthquake happened in 2015, the majority of the homes have not been rebuilt because it's very remote and people just don't have money. They existing on less than $2 a day, US. So they need some assistance, obviously. And more than that, we're really enjoying creating a long-term relationship with the children and families in the village. I've been back, I went back last year, see the eight classrooms open and uh, just hang out with the kids and get to know people better and to support the teachers. You know, when you're a teacher for a long time, you realize how much support it takes and they have nothing. We gave them their first library books and there's still a long way to go, <laughs> but we're getting there. Uh, as you were just describing that so well and so succinctly, I got goosebumps and it was all to do when you said it was the earthquake epicenter. That's when it really hit me. You know, when we, we get an emotional reaction to a story that we're listening to and we can empathize with that. And all I could see in my mind was all these little Nepalese kids running around with umbrellas up. That's what I got this visual of with, with this pouring rain coming down <laughs> to the ceiling. It's amazing what you, where you go when you listen to other people's stories. And then I had to bring myself back into being more attentive to, to what else you're saying. <laughs> Patty, I started reading your book and there's a couple of lines, a couple of paragraphs that I'd like to actually read if, you, if that would be okay with you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and so this is very early on when it's in a chapter called Second Thoughts and it says, while my adult sense of self had been honed during a successful 37-year career as a teacher, educational consultant, elementary school principal and occasional competitive athlete. There remained a shy, chunky girl with strawberry blonde frizzy curls and an all-encompassing lack of confidence. And then a little bit later down the page, it says, so why did I feel the need to risk travelling alone to such a remote area, maybe because I spent my entire life trying to keep up, first with my older siblings and later with my super fit mountaineer I married. For the first few years, Barry had experienced significant health issues. It was a time to discover my own pace, time to discover a zone just for me, a milieu where I could develop personal courage, freedom from fears and a sense of purpose. And at that stage, when I read that, Patty, I put it down and I just sat with it for a little bit because I think what you've put so eloquently into words is where a lot of women are, especially when their careers have finished or they've retired, if they've been totally involved with all their, their family. It's that sense of your own pace. 
and not being guilty about saying, no, this is the pace that I want to, to live at now. And this is the zone where I want to live. Just some thoughts on that. Yes. As with many men and women, you become so involved in your career. And I was certainly very myopically an inner city principal. And that's all I thought about and all I did. So to have suddenly, I needed another purpose, definitely. And that's why I went to journalism school. But still, I was very afraid. My hands were shaking the first time I put pitches out to magazines and newspapers. And, uh, and then over the years, I made connections and developed good connections with a lot of great editors. And I was able to, to do that. But there was more. That was all for me. And I guess I wanted to continue giving back the way I had when I was a principal. Well, that was um, the grandfather that left me the money for the typewriter was, was the United <laughs> Church minister who was very caring and very giving. And I think part of me is that's part of him and me that I still wanted to be able to contribute in some way. It's lovely to look back on your, your heritage and who or what was instrumental in giving you the extra, whether it's boost or grit or a bit of gumption or a bit of a push. And we often have a significant other or perhaps an author, whatever it is. So apart from your grandfather, and I'm hearing that your, your husband, Barry, would be another one of those instrumental people in your life. Has there been another significant person that you relate to, you've actually looked at to, perhaps they could have been a mentor for you? Or is it not a person? Is it more a value that you hold dear, that really gives you this sense of permanent purpose that you have to keep doing to help others? Um. There are so many people that have uh, given me that. A lot of the uh, associate superintendents that I worked for and with as a, when I was in the school district in Vancouver. There was a man called Alistair Fraser who was a great advocate for inner city children, and that was important. But also on the Nepal side, now a much younger person who's only 36 and runs uh, Ace the Himalaya Trekking Company, the, the company we go with. And he's the um, NGO of Sambhav Nepal, which is the, the volunteer organization that we work with as well. He left his village, one of those shiny villages, when he was 15. He walked, oh, several hours to get a bus. He'd seen a bus, but he'd never been on one. And then he had to go on two buses. He got so sick that he said he couldn't go back to the village because he couldn't get back on a bus again. <laughs> and he started out as a, what they call a tiwala, a tea boy, then a porter. And then he became a guide and finally started his own company. Now has one of the highest ranking trekking companies in Kathmandu and all of Nepal. And he's 36 now. So he's done quite a bit in that time. <laughs> and has connections all over the world in Australia, Switzerland, Canada, and the U.S. who are helping with, uh, to rebuild these schools in this area. So uh, he's pretty inspirational. And he puts in so much of his own time, so, uh, you know, to help his own area. So it's pretty fun to be able to be part of that. And I noticed in the, when I was reading your book, you talk about this trust that you place in him when you're with him on the tricks um, mm -hmm. to guide you for each day. And, I mean, you talk also about your age and your level of fitness. So that's a big consideration when you're at altitude. You know, that relationship you've developed with him that's truly special, isn't it? Well, actually, sorry, the one that I was just speaking about was Prem, who runs the company, but his 
staff who started with him, it was called Raj, and he was my guide and he was the one I spent every day with. Also from the same village, also started as a porter and guide, very young. Yeah, he would just, it's interesting because I was kind of worried about altitude and uh, going and trekking in Upper Mustang and Raz just said, well, just decide you're not going to have a problem and you won't. <laughs> and I didn't, but we also went very, slowly every day we would walk only in the morning so I could interview people in the villages in the afternoon. So actually when you're older sometimes you do better at altitude because you don't rush ahead, you take your time. Some, even if you are very fit, some of the youngsters in their 20s who are extremely fit go higher than they should sooner and they are the ones that have the problem. I've had a problem. I had a problem once on the Annapurna circuit on our very first trek when I was with my husband in 2011. And uh, I just waited an extra day. And I did take altitude meds, but just for three days. And then we were higher a month later and it never caused another problem. So it's different every time too with every person. Well, what you're talking about really is being mindful of making the most of a situation so that you can achieve what you want to achieve. So there would be a lot of time for thinking and for being just with mm -hmm. yourself while you're trekking at those altitudes. You'd be keyed into watching every step that your feet take, especially on those very high mountain, very narrow mountain paths. So that's quite mm -hmm. a metaphor. There are some very interesting... There are some pretty interesting trails. And when I think about them after, I think, oh, I did that. But while you're there, it's one step in front of the other. You spend a lot of time, or at least I do, looking at my feet. I will take uh, 30 steps and then stop and look around. But I don't look around an awful lot while I'm actually walking on a narrow trail because it's, it's high on one side and drop off on the other generally. And um, there's an important rule in there. If you hear the tinkle of bells of ponies or yaks, you go to the high side because you don't want to be knocked off the low side. But, you know, a lot of the time you can see your guide if you have a tracking partner, but you're not talking to them, you're not with them. You, you get together in different times during the day, but as long as they're in sight, you're fine. And you just spend the day thinking about what you're doing there and and what the scenery is like and what the people are like too. Mm. Um, my guide Raj would sing all the time. Ah. He sang a song called Resham Piriri, which is a very, it's a very popular Nepali song. So I'd hear him in front singing and or he would teach me Nepali words sometimes too. It's amazing what you get to know about people when you walk with them for such a long time. As we speak today, I'll be catching a plane back to Australia uh, next week. And of course, all the flights around the world have been affected by the coronavirus. Um, I'm going back to a country that a third of it has been burnt out through massive bushfires this, this season. At the moment, there's flooding because we're getting huge amounts of rain after a very long, prolonged drought. But our country is not alone. There's, this is happening in many, many countries. It's the extent of the veracity, I think, of, of the weather conditions. And I'm thinking about leaving a legacy. You are leaving a legacy for generations that you will never, ever see or ever know about. And I think this is the most beautiful thing about being alive in this time. We've got an opportunity to put our feet forward and to say, hey, I'm only here for a short time. However, the world is here for a longer time. Let's make the most of what we could do for its benefit. So I'm thinking if you had some advice for the start of this new decade, 2020, for our young people, 
What would it be, Patty? <laughs> I'd say to get involved. And certainly if people are listening to this, they're probably in a fairly good position of privilege in a first world country. Yep. And to get out and, um, and travel on foot as much as possible. Um, the more you travel on foot or at least on a bicycle, not in a car, and get to know people of other cultures and appreciate them. And then you'll see your position of privilege and maybe get out there and want to help, want to contribute and be part of it. And you know, yes, I contribute and many of my friends do, but you get so much back yourself. It's incredibly rewarding. And it's funny, Raj, my guide decided that they should call the school the Patty Shales Left Coast School. I said, no, 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 no. It's, there's going to be no, my name is nowhere at the Rotary Club, of course, but it's, that's not important. You know, it's important, as you said, to leave it. And if that school and some of those books help some of those kids, and eventually we'll be doing scholarships, if that helps them go on and, and make a better world, then that's all I would ever ask for. It's an absolutely beautiful story. And I'm so pleased that when I went to a cafe here at Silver Star and I picked up the local newsletter, there was an item on the back page about, you know, about mountain folk. And it was all about this book, Paul One Day at a Time, a Himalayan adventure travel memoir with the humanitarian twist. And I was so pleased to pick it up. And then I realised you lived here and I thought, wow, Great opportunity to meet this incredible woman who's an ordinary gal doing extraordinary things. So, Patty, if anyone would like to contact you further, what's your best contact details? Uh, I guess through uh, through the website. So it's pattyshalesleftcoast.com, all lowercase, and there's a contact place there. Also, the book, Nepal One Day at a Time, is on Amazon.ca only at this point. Uh, soon we should have it as an e-reader and hopefully internationally soon as well. Great, thank you. And listeners, what you're going to see also are a number of Patty's photographs and the cover of her book is absolutely sensational. It's vibrant and life-giving, it's colourful. They're all her own photographs, which is makes it even better because it adds that element of a personal lens on the world that we, we can all share in. So thank you for putting up with a very croaky voice. Mm, I love the front cover as well. It's fantastic. It's got, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You need to go out, pop onto Amazon and get the book. <laughs> the Paul One Day at a Time by Patty Shales Levkos. So listeners, as always, a call to action. What are you thinking about doing from this conversation that I've had with Patty? Is it a pop onto Amazon to get the book, to read it? That would be a great first step. Is it that you have had a burning desire to do something similar or to do actually get out of your comfort zone and do something for somebody else? How might that look? There are many, many ways that we can contribute. We don't all have to be Cecil B. DeMille's doing huge cinematographic productions. We can be ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So once again, if you like what our podcast shares, please pop over to Apple or Podbean and give us a thumbs up. If you'd like to know more about what I do as a leadership coach, please pop on to carriebenedette.com. I'm easily found. You'll find me all over the place. I just love people. So thank you for putting up with the voice today. I couldn't resist the opportunity to talk to Patty. 
So I thank you in anticipation. Just remember, your thriving matters no matter where you are or what you do. We are not insignificant, we are significant. And what we do for others is the gold. So thanks, Patty, once again. I hope you have great success with your book, and I'm sure you will. I actually think there's a trek in me to join you. So we'll keep that on the burner. Good luck with everything <laughs> in the future, and thank you for being on the episode today. Bye, everyone. Talk to you again. Just remember, your thriving matters.